0: And they answered him. We step into this text in the middle of a conversation, a pretty intense conversation, if you can call it that. Discourse, perhaps, is also too weak. Argument is really what we're talking about. An argument about who is the father and who are the children. John chapter 8 is one of the most intense portions of Scripture. In it we hear about the scribes and the Pharisees coming to Jesus, the woman caught in adultery, and this discourse-better argument between Jesus and the Jews. But in the midst of the argument are several of the most beloved statements of our Lord. I am the light. Of the world. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Within this chapter of strong passions, John 8 39 47, is manifest perhaps the most extreme rhetoric of this most intense chapter in the Bible. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. Obviously, They're not. If God were your father, you would love me. Obviously, they don't. God is not their father. The catalyst for this, of course, is the verse immediately preceding our text. I speak of what I have seen with or from my father, And you do what you have heard from your Father. Listen to that once more. I speak, says our Lord, of what I have seen with my Father. You do what you have heard from your Father. What you have heard from your Father is what you do. So what do the Jews do? They argue with the Lord of life. They try and hide the light and create darkness. Abraham is our father. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not What Abraham did. Years ago, you're probably familiar with the statistics, the Pew Research Group put out their results of an extensive survey of Americans, and the amazing result was that, unlike most Western developed nations, 90% of Americans believe in God, in God we trust. But like good Lutherans, We like to ask the next question, what does this mean? What God? Jesus gives the answer, my Father. And within the context of this chapter, we have repeated statements of the relationship of God the Son and God the Father. The first and second persons of the Holy Trinity, as the Lord says over and over, I am, I am, I am. And Abraham's children, unlike Abraham, who looked forward to Christ, trusted in him, and had that faith credited to him as righteousness, these supposed sons and daughters of Abraham tried to kill him, to reject him. So Jesus batters them with questions. Why do you not understand what I say? It's very simple. It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. No wonder they tried to kill him. Which one of you convicts me of sin, he continues. If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Could it be any plainer? The gauntlet has been laid down. The Lord says, you are not Abraham's children. Abraham's children believe in me, in Jesus. Their claim is heredity a lineage, his challenge is faith in him as the Son of God. It is interesting that when you finally invite the president of the Fort Wayne Seminary to preach at the chapel here in St. Louis, that you give him a text that is all law, not one bit of gospel to be found. (laughs) But in the larger context of our Lord's discourse, there is there is good news. Even as he unmasks faithless people, like the Jews here, and of course, like each and every one of us here this morning. We have never been enslaved to anyone, they say earlier. How could Jesus not laugh in their face? 400 years in Egypt and you've forgotten? And who's that Roman soldier over there right now? But you are not enslaved. You fool yourselves, and so do we. As an American church historian, I've spent an inordinate amount of my life studying the New England Puritans, and in those years of study, one thing of benefit has come forth. That is a deeper understanding of the nature of hypocrisy. We flatten out hypocrisy in our usage in the present time. You call a person a hypocrite, a terrible insult, and you are saying to that person what? You are purposefully lying. You are presenting yourself as something you are not in order to fool other people. But our Puritan friends had another sense of that marvelous word, hypocrite. It was also applied to the person who had succeeded in fooling himself. These folks. We are Abraham's children. We have never been enslaved to anyone. You are enslaved right now. And when we fool ourselves that we are not slaves to sin, the mirror that Jesus puts up before us here condemns us with all possible vigor. And that is why it is good news to look at the larger context of John chapter 8 and the entire discourse. For Jesus also says to these troubled people, these hypocrites, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. So what did he speak when he was lifted up? Woman, behold your son. Son, see your mother. New relationships through his suffering and death. I thirst, yes, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for the sake of these foolish people. And ultimately, it is finished. It is finished. The Lord takes on your hypocrisy, my hypocrisy, your sinfulness, my sinfulness, carries them to the cross once and for all and says unequivocally and once and for all, it is finished. Salvation is accomplished. And rising on the third day, the promise of everlasting life now becomes yours, and mine. The confrontations of John 8 draw a stark contrast. There is the unbridled hubris of Jesus' opponents, the desperate trust of the woman caught in adultery, and hypocrisy. In the end, we cling only to Jesus and his word of promise. The Son has set you free from the bondage from bondage to the devil and has made you his own dear child god is your father it is finished you are free in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit